They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast, where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. The one time, one of the one times in my life where I'm going to be supporting Manchester United this weekend, or at least a draw. Because you guys, one suck, are taking on the one team that is challenging us to the title. It is, get ready people, the Manchester Derby. Bright and early Saturday morning, especially for you, one suck, at 4 a.m. Blood clot. <laughs> but yo, break it down. Are you scared? No, not scared. Not scared. Um, no, that doesn't mean I, I, that doesn't mean we're gonna go win. But I'm not scared. Is confident too strong of a word? Maybe. But I'm. Well, I guess you could say, what are you confident about? I'm confident that the players will show up. It won't be a six-three or four-nil halftime again. No, it could be famous last words, right? But I, I, I just. I mean, with the form that City are in right now, I mean, of course, you know, we know they can always turn it up. But we don't, I don't know what it is. It could be, you know, people talk about Holland destroying the rhythm. But it, to me, it seems like they've kind of lost their rhythm. And I, I am confident that we're, we can get a result here. Now, that'll do you a favor, but don't count us out now. We win this game. We're one point behind City. You lose against Arsenal. We're only, I think, seven points out. Yeah, but we are but, Arsenal, so we can't lose to Arsenal. Leo, <laughs> is he crazy for thinking this? No, he's not. I mean, you're talking about City's form here, but Menu is also having a good form, you know? You haven't conceded in the last five hours in the Premier League. And after Ronaldo left, six matches and six wins, I mean, that tells us something, at least, you know? But uh, the last uh, three head-to-head matches between City and United, uh, City won all the, uh, the three of them. That hasn't happened uh, since 2013, you know? And two of those results, well, sorry, uh, two of those results were kind of shocking, you know? A stunning 6-3 and a 4-1. I mean, that's a little embarrassing, Monsak, I got to say. Monsak <laughs> is not like, good, bro. Not looking good at the moment. But I mean, anything can happen, you know? Players like Rashford scoring three goals in the last Premier League matches. But still, he hasn't scored in the last five against City. And then you have Holland on the other side, who scored 21 goals in 16 appearances so far. You know, last time around against United with a hat trick. So I would be scared if I were you one sack. I don't know what you're talking about here. <laughs> Actually, that's a, you mentioned a player that I do want to touch on a bit. Marcus Rashford, one sock. Is this your key player to look at? Oh, yeah, 100%. Where else is, are we going to get goals from other than Rashford? Nobody Anthony. really. If he can produce something like he did against City in the reverse fixture, I'll take that because he just scored something very similar to that against Charlton on Tuesday. If he can produce another one of those, hey, I'm not complaining, but the main source of goals has been from Rashford. And you could say the same for City. You know, Holland has been, I mean, when you score 21 goals in 16 games, he's obviously the main source of goal. So, yeah, two players. You could say each teams are reliant on in terms of the goals. But, yeah, those two are going to be 
as expected key players. You know what interests me about this game, especially though, is the fact that City, as we know, they tend to be very vulnerable to the counter-attack, especially when they've committed a lot of players forward and they leave space and gaps in behind. And the, the key player that we spoke about, Rashford, who's in form, he literally lives for those moments. He lives for those types of games. So that kind of seems like a match made in heaven for Rashford, for a guy in form. And I wonder if Pep Guardiola is going to instill in his side before this one to watch out for that. What do you think, Theo? You think that's going to be a mentality from Guardiola or do you think he's going to stick to his, his standards, his structure, his game plan that he knows and that he trusts? I think it's going to stick to his standards, but you're right. I mean, that's where the danger lies for City, you know, counterattacks. A team that pressures so heavy, that controls the game so much, touches the ball a lot, like controlling every single match. I mean, you're exposed to counterattacks. And a guy like Rashford, a guy with a lot of pace, so quick, and on a great form too, you know. Seems like he's picking up the good form again. So I would say that that's Man United's biggest weapon for this game, for sure. Yeah, one thing, um, uh, we don't know what he means by this, but Pep came out and has said he got he has some ridiculous ideas to to beat to win this game. Now we'll see because he does have he does make ridiculous decisions that mostly in in important stages like the Champions League final. You know, famously not starting Rodri against Chelsea. Uh, same against Leon. He experimented with a back three right two, three years ago. So we'll see. We'll see what he has up in his sleeve. But the one thing that worries me though is just the history of this fixture. We'll touch on this, how how contrasting it is for the North London derby. But in this derby, the away teams have been the stronger side. Going back eight years, in the last eight years, we've won at the Etihad four times. That's 50%. But only once did we win at Old Trafford in the last eight years. So, I mean, you might not have expected this, but Kevin De Bruyne, he had never beaten us until last season at the Etihad. So, I mean, that tells you how strong the away teams have been in this derby. So, I mean, that's the only thing, but history, the trend can always change. It can always buckle, right? So. And what do you feel, one sec, about the new signing? The, the big man, Valverkhorst. Yeah, he's, um, yes. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know much. I, I've just seen his highlights. His, his stats, I mean, he scored at least 15 in three successive seasons in Germany. Now, for, for a guy who's almost two meters, he's very good with his feet. You know, he, we showed, or I should say, he showed it against Argentina in the World Cup too, right? The, that tight, you know, that tight composure at the, at the dying minutes to control the ball and really tuck that finish into the, to the bottom corner. And we, we, he did the same at, at Wolfsburg, very similar in a free kick. And not just that, but his he seems very good on the ball and, and not just a tree that most people would have expected him to be. And if that's what the manager wants, I, I guess, you know, we've got to gotta see how it works out. But for that price, it, it just it, all, it makes sense, I guess. Probably not the name you were 
expecting or even wanting in December, but it is what it is. We don't have money. We're, we've maxed out our credit card loans or I should say debt. We, that, that's just, it'll, it'll have to do. I'm sorry, yeah. but I just have to go back to this. This man called this guy a tree, bro. No, I mean, we, we used to call Fellaini a tree because we used to chuck the ball up and just look for his, his afro head, right? Yeah, okay. He actually looks like a tree, though, with that hairstyle. So, <laughs> <laughs> Weg horse, come on, bro. That's that's a bit much. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I said. He's, he's, a, he's more than a tree. Let's see. Let's see if he is going to be more than a tree for Man United. Once that deal does get finalized, hopefully for your sake it does. I guess hopefully for our sake as well, Theo. Hopefully it does as well. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, nah, but anyways, let's get to your side, Theo. Liverpool, you guys are traveling to Brighton. Boy, this match actually very much interests me. A side like yep. Brighton on great form. They're playing great football. Everybody's loving them at the moment but they weren't expected. And on the flip side, Liverpool, you expected them to be the ones playing the good football, but they're shitting the bed at the moment. With Van Dijk out, with your current form, with Brighton's current form, I think we should be asking you the question this week. Are you scared? <laughs> I'm not sure if scared is the right word, but I'm concerned. I'll tell you that. Because Brighton, like you mentioned, is coming in hot in 2023. They scored nine goals in two matches, you know? Four against Everton and five against uh, Middlesbrough, which is very concerning for Liverpool, especially uh, because Liverpool conceded five against Brentford. Thank God two of them were ruled off. But Liverpool conceded in their last eight matches, 15 goals in total, three against City and three against Brentford. That's very concerning, you know. And last match against Brentford was a disgrace. Liverpool looked lost, you know, scared of air balls, incapable of like offering any threats to the opposition. So, I mean, man, if Klopp decides to bring in Oxlade-Chamberlain again and Elliot, who are not in a great form, I would be even more concerned. Uh, I hope that Klopp's going to make changes and bring in guys like Gapko and Fabio Carvalho. I really like Fabio Carvalho. But even if you don't want to be that offensive, uh, you can bring in a guy like Henderson, you know. A Brighton, on the other hand, is looking very confident and relaxed too, you know showing great understanding and situational awareness. And that was clear against uh, Everton. And like you mentioned, Van Dijk won't play. But we didn't lose in the last 14 matches that when, uh, when Van Dijk started for us. So I see some optimism here. You know, 11 wins and three draws. Maybe if we scrap a point here, it wouldn't be the end of the world for Liverpool, you know. But it's a tough six-pointer, but I do see Liverpool taking the, the lead here. I do see us taking a win. No bias here, guys, at all. Wow, how, how times have changed. <laughs> Wanting a draw against Brighton? Jeez, wouldn't be um... the end of the world, I said. I don't want the draw. Wouldn't it be the end of the world. I want the win. I do see Liverpool coming out with a win. But a draw wouldn't be that bad, actually. Because especially if Brighton wins, they're going to they're gonna leapfrog Liverpool in the table. So that, that would have been a lot worse no, than a draw. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think you're looking at it from a very realistic situation at this given point in time. 
but it is just crazy how times have changed. I just can't get over that. From one season yeah. challenging for the title to now can't even beat Brighton, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Brighton ain't no Southampton, you know. And Brighton is looking good, man. <laughs> no, but Southampton just bust up cities, so let's not let's yeah, right. not disrespect Southampton. <laughs> but yo, one sec, what what do you think about this one? You think you agree with Theo? You think a draw would be a good result for Liverpool? I think I think I might just put in a complaint to my TV company because, I mean, I'm I'm trying to watch Liverpool play. But it looks like I'm watching a Southampton play. Really, it just <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. How well? I mean, it does make sense why they're suffering. That the weaknesses it's obvious. And add insult to injury, Van Dijk is is out. So the thing is with Liverpool, even with Van Dijk in there, they were always conceding first, right? I think. I think every single game since the World Cup, they've conceded first. And even before that, they were conceding first very often. And for Brighton, a team we ridiculed for not being able to score or convert those chances, right? They've certainly seemed to have cured those issues. You know, they scored, I'll say three. I mean, the, the third goal was very close, but it's offside. So they scored twice against Arsenal. They thrashed Everton by 4-1, although that was more due to Everton's own downfall but you know i mean you can't keep gifting the team's openers and expect to get a result every single time now you you, you may get away with that at your home anfield is still is still a fortress you know teams are still wary of playing liverpool at anfield right the only loss against leeds very impressive by leeds but you know still teams go in there with with this fear right but away from home Teams are not going to be fearing Liverpool anymore. You know, they, they can they know what to target. But I just feel that I'll have to agree with Theo. I, I feel like Liverpool just might scrape by with a win. I just want to highlight again that I'm not going to be happy with the draw, like Noah mentioned. I'm it's not going to be the end of the world, you know. I'm not going to be super sad if we draw. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I'm going to be happy though. That's different. Uh, you'll be content. You'll be content. That's fair. I won't be mad. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I mean, it depends boy. on the context too. You know, we got to see the match and see what won. But again, a uh, guy like Gakko, he just uh, debuted for Liverpool. What do you guys think about him? Did you guys see him play? I watched him against Wolves. I thought he, I mean, he's very tall. This is my first time yeah. actually watching him play. I mean, you don't expect a winger to be that tall, right? He's, it says he's 6'2", but he looks taller than 6'2", to me. And he's his ability to turn an opportunity into a shot is is impressive. I mean, from what I've seen and from what I've read, he has a wicked shot in him. And I feel like, I mean, if you, if you can, if you have that in your locker, you, you're not going to fail, at least. So he looks more composed, more neat on the ball than Darwin Nunes does. Well, this will probably solidify Nunes to play as a, as a center forward slash striker. So, I mean, they need to gel quickly as soon as possible. But I, I, I don't know if that was enough for me to have an opinion on Gakpo. But he was okay. Well, talking about Nunes, he didn't train with the squad 
last Thursday, which it was uh, today. So he didn't train today. So what do you think, Noah? So bring in Firmino again, see if he can uh, pick up the form. What's your take here? I mean, if I was a manager, Nunes wouldn't be in the squad at all. I think, I mean, Gakpo, I think, is a, he could play striker. I know he played wing against um, Wolves, and he, I mean, I thought he was pretty decent. Uh, he had some great connections, good link-up play with, with Andy Robertson on the left, and that's very impressive, especially in your first match, to already have that understanding. It's only going to get better from there. So I think long-term left wing is probably it for Gakpo. But, you know, in the short term, when you guys need to kind of do something to save your season, Gakpo is not a bad option to go in there at striker, to be honest. And with that said, that might be Klopp's thinking. Yeah, that, that's why they signed him. He can play everywhere. Right. So, Jurgen Klopp is definitely going to have to do something to, to get his team going. Because at the moment... Looks like he has them lost. Look like they're not really unsung. Theo, you sound like you believe it's a personnel issue or at least a selection issue, I should say. But he in the past has been, no matter who he selects, they tend to perform. So clearly something is wrong. And he's got to shape it up quickly. Because if not, he's in for a rude awakening at Brighton, to tell you the damn truth. He will ship it up. He will ship it up just to give you the heads up. All right. You heard it here first, people. Let us know if you agree with Theo on that, actually. But moving on to a side who is definitely in the shithole at the moment. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Ah, friggin' boy. Yet again. Now this last match against Fulham. Boy, oh boy. Not only did they lose, but their new signing, Joe Felix. Debut match, center. But I didn't think he was that bad. Once out, what do you thought? Yeah, he was probably their best player. At least in the first half. He has certainly made his mark, whether it be positive or negative. But I mean... Chelsea, I, I mean, I think this just tells you how poor everyone else on that front line have been. You know, draw Felix in the first 60 minutes, or 58 minutes, because he got technically sent off in the 58th, showed a lot more, not just this game, but, you know, throughout this whole season, way more than what, what Havertz has shown. Felix, there's no denying his quality, right? There's a reason why he went for... I don't know the exact numbers, but over 100 million euros. Crazy figures for an 18-year-old. And he certainly proved it. But now, he's, I think he's going to be out for three games because I, I guess that's violent conduct or serious foul play. Yeah, I mean, just goes from bad to worse for Chelsea. And Zakaria, who you know, hadn't really played much prior to the World Cup, he was slowly on the ups. After the World Cup, I mean, I think he started every single game. Now he's got injured as well. He nearly now, gave away a penalty though against Fulham. Well, I didn't think that was a penalty, but he felt like a new signing, even almost for Chelsea. 
just because he just wasn't involved much prior to the World Cup. And now he's out. I don't know. We don't know. It's too early to tell. But yeah, something is, something's going on there. And, and when it rains, it pours. And it, it's certainly pouring right now at Chelsea. Uh, adding to your point, one sec, uh, Zakaria is out. So adding to Chelsea's injury list, which is insane. I mean, you have Zakaria now. Uh, also, you have Broja, Chilo, Fofana, James, Kante, Loftus-Cheek, Mendy, Pulisic, Sterling. I mean, that's almost a full squad. That's a lot of players. And I mean, you can, you can argue that not all those players are crucial to the squad. But still, you know, that raises a lot of concern for Chelsea. And I don't blame it on, uh, on Graham at all. You know, I don't, I don't think it's his fault, even though I feel like Chelsea is lacking a little bit. But they showed more power today. Uh, also, I got to mention that Barca is interested in having Alba back. So one more concern for Chelsea now, even though Alba is not playing that much or that well for Chelsea. And like you mentioned, uh, Felix, in my opinion, was the best player for Chelsea in the first half. The second half, he came, he came on a little off. But he still had six shots in total and four on target. Those are great stats, you know, for your, for, for your debut. I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to help Chelsea uh, potentially fight for a top four position. But still, he's going to add a lot in my view. Yeah, he definitely looks sharp out there. But if it's not Graham Potter's fault for you, Theo, what is he? Well, inexperienced, I would say. A guy like Hall, you know, playing on the left back for Chelsea, definitely looking raw, you know. I forgot his name, the center back. is Chaliba, right? Yeah, Chaloba. Chaloba, yeah. Also looking off, you know, m like making a lot of mistakes. Just looking off in general. Zakaria didn't play well today, in my view, either. Neither did Kovacic. He was off, making a lot of mistakes, rushing, not chasing that well, you know. Now recomposing defensively too. So Chelsea in general just seems like it's a mix of inexperience and bad form for, for some of the players. And also bad luck. Just look at the injury list. That is true. I feel like their squad, or at least their budget, has given them a squad that injuries should not be an issue. But you're right. I mean, it is a ridiculous number that they're at. At the moment. And I mean, if I was in that position, I'd raise the same concerns as well. Okay, so Noah, uh, Chelsea qualified on the last 18 out of the last 20 Champions League. Seems like they're not going to be qualifying this season. So do you think that raises some red flags, given all the investment that the new owner is putting into the club? Well... This is looking a bit like the case of what Arsenal went through a few seasons back, right? I mean, we also went through 19 consecutive Champions League qualifications in a row and then missed out on three consecutive ones after that. So I think they're just going through it at the moment. As you said, the squad is young. They're still rebuilding. It could be, it could be just a case of growing pains. So I, I I mean as a Chelsea fan, of course you would be you'd be worried you'd be you'd be frustrated you don't like to see a team lose but you know as an Arsenal fan someone who has experienced that it's a long road and I feel bad for them but <laughs> but there is light at the end of the tunnel and Chelsea is a football club with an establishment that 
they are going to get over this. They're too big to completely fall down. Don't lie, because you don't feel bad at all. Let's get it right. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. I'm enjoying it. Because they were cloning my ass a couple years back. So it's, it's, ta- it's time to shit on them. But speaking on my side now, is the big one. Is the biggest match of the year for us, for the Arsenal. This is the match that every Arsenal fan cares about. It's the North London Derby coming right back at you. And you know what's interesting is earlier this season, the North London Derby actually played on the same weekend as the Manchester Derby, which is happening again this weekend. So, one sec. Do you think we're going to get a similar outcome? A 3-1 victory for Arsenal? No. No, no. Unlike the Manchester one, this derby heavily favours the home teams. Home teams have won a majority of of the derbies. And now I'm going to back Tottenham in this game as well. Well, actually, let me take it back. I don't think Arsenal will get three points here. They might get a point, a single point here. I I just don't really see Arsenal getting three points here. It, combined with the fact that you know Arsenal, mm-hmm. more than City do, they rely a lot more on on the wingers being direct, going at defenders and creating havoc. And I just feel like their directness, maybe not the directness even, but their effectiveness has has dwindled prior to the you know compared to the beginning of the season. They're still they're still on fire. They're still cool. great, but you know, just compared to to what they were on the level they were on in the beginning of the season, I just don't see them. Maybe that's fatigue. Maybe it's teams adjusting, but I just don't see it at the same level as it was before. On the low, I think one sock is actually a Tottenham fan. Not that's what I'm lie. about to say. This guy said Tottenham <laughs> going to win the league, bro. And look at what happened. I hope it's the same kind of result this weekend, bro. Every time he predicts Tottenham to do well, they end up shitting it. But anyways, I ain't going to say shit because I ain't trying to jinx nothing this weekend. Because <laughs> I'm truly a bit nervous. I won't even like Form is out the window with this fixture. Yeah. Yeah, what you think? Who's going to get it? Well, I mean, if you look at the Tottenham side, there's Kulusevski, Richarlison, Bentancourt, and Bissouma injured. Those are massive players. They're all dangerous, you know? So I, I would say that that's a blessing for Arsenal. And the Spurs, they're coming in with three defeats in the last four home matches. But it's going to be a derby, which means that things are going to be different, potentially. Well, they, they, they look great against Palace away, but they look very shaky when playing at home. Hence all the deserved criticism to Conte, I would say. And the Gunners, on the other hand, with five wins in the last, in the last six away appearances, they're looking fluid, aggressive, and dominant. That, that's great, great football from Arsenal so far. It doesn't matter if they're playing away or at the Emirates, you know? They did have troubles uh, penetrating Newcastle's defense, but I think that was due to Newcastle's great defensive shape, you know, in general. They just look so, so rigid defensively. And Tottenham definitely aren't as rigid as Newcastle. So that's why I see Arsenal winning here with no big surprises, unless Kane or Son decide to score like a hat trick or so, <laughs> which I don't think is going to happen. <laughs> well, all the players you mentioned should be back, uh, except for Bentancourt. 
Kulosevsky and um, Bissouma should be back. Kulosevsky coming back is going to be big for Tottenham because they're missing that. I mean, they they put what Brian Hill out there. He just ain't it, but you know. Still coming back from injury, you know, it's a you could be a little off still, you know. It's not like Absolutely. you're picking up from your good form like Rashford, for example, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. That's very true. And either way, as we know, it's a derby, a big derby. Form is out the window. But speaking of big derbies, and there's two of the biggest ones this weekend. No bias here once out, but I want to ask you guys this question. Which is the bigger derby? Is it the North London derby or is it the Manchester derby? You can go first one sec. I mean, to be honest, I think that silence tells you a lot. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you, if, you, if you ask me this question about United playing against Liverpool, I mean, that one tops it 100%, no doubt. Whoa, whoa, but, whoa, 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 whoa. but against City, I mean, you know, it's City, I mean, they were shit prior to 2008. I mean, so are Tottenham, but at least Tottenham, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really follow Tottenham or Arsenal, but from what I've seen, the passion is certainly there. I, I just don't know if we have that same level of passion against City as we do. And that's it for me. Is the passion, bro? Yeah, I mean that's that's yeah that's why I can I can give the edge over this Manchester derby to the North London one because I, I just don't think it's there for the Manchester one I, I, as much as it is for you know other other ones including this one this North London derby. What about the quality, Theo? Well, I'll keep it short. Recently, I would say the Manchester Derby for sure because of the quality, like you mentioned. But historically, the North London, North London Derby for sure because of the history. I mean, in the passion, like you guys mentioned. So Tottenham have no history. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not talking about Tottenham's history. I mean, no titles whatsoever. You're right. But the Derby's history, you know, it goes back a long time. I mean, so does the Manchester one. This is the 188th one. You know, well, Man, Man City was born in 07, 08. So, yeah, that's why that's why I'm like, you know what? That's why I'm, I'm conceding that the passion isn't possibly there for us against City. But against you lot. No, that's a different story. Are you in agreement yeah. with me that the, that one is the better? one? No, I definitely am. Yeah. Yep. You're right. The biggest derby of England for sure. Yeah. I will not agree with that one, but I will leave it up to you viewers and listeners to leave your thoughts in the comment section to let us know which derby you think is the biggest one in England and potentially the world. Well, the viewers, let me just let you know, remind you, 39 league titles between us two, nine okay. Champions League titles. To Arsenal and Tottenham's combined zero, a fat zero. <laughs> That's mean one, sir. Oh, God. It's I the mean, passion. It's the passion. Let me remind you guys about the passion. Even on passion, I mean, I just, I don't think it. I don't think it's a. It's a. It's even a debate, really. It is, and we're gonna leave that debate to the viewers. Put it in the comments. Let us know what you guys think. That is about all we have time for today. 
But make sure you keep up with us on the weekend as the matches are going on. As you know, very exciting matches. Prime time fixtures. So make sure you watch. And don't forget to tune in on Monday as well as we go over the matches and we'll review them. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate your support. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Apple Music, Spotify, hit the subscribe button. Make sure to download the episode and share it with a friend. One of your friends that like football, put it in our football group chat. And don't forget to turn on those notifications so you guys don't miss any episodes and you stay up to date. And as well, the link to our Facebook page is in the description and the bio. So go get clicking, join our discussion, like our page, and share our page. Let's get some good football discussion going. And let's get the chat on. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in as always. And peace out.